And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Whether you're the biggest company in the world or whether you're getting started next week, you went through the process of building a startup team. I think a lot of people look at companies, huge companies, Google and Facebook. Guess what? They were startups. Actually, startups after the turn of the millennium. So they all went through building a startup team. They all did a lot of different stuff. Now with me today, I've got someone that knows all about that. And also one of the recipients of our 2020 best startups in Austin list. Now, before we get too far into that, I do want to remind you today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, as those of you watching our live stream can see, it's not just me in the studio today. With me today, I've got Renji Bajoy. Renji is the CEO and founder of Immersed VR. Let's start by just welcoming you to Startup Hustle. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? No, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Now, no one tells the story of entrepreneurship better than a founder themselves. So let's just get started with what's your backstory? Tell us about Immerse VR and, and what brought you to starting it. Yeah. So, I mean, I started off in undergrad, focused on pre-med actually, and I knew how to code, started working as a software engineer as I was waiting to hear back from med schools. And I threw all of my acceptance letters in the trash and my parents got super pissed at me, man. <laughs> so uh, I started working as a coder and man, I love my job. Uh, that's why I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to med school, man. And so, um, but every job as a software engineer that I had, I felt like I was a cog in the machine. I just felt like I was just one little piece and uh, I was working on stuff that other people wanted to build, which was cool. I learned a ton through it. Uh, but ultimately I knew that I wanted to build uh, something that I felt like was super impactful to society. And so uh, every job I ended up having, I ended up quitting to go to the next thing to see if that would have uh, a product that I felt like was impactful for society. And ultimately, uh, every job I went through, I mean, the same cycle over and over being compartmentalized, uh, not asking for more money, just asking for more work. And ultimately, uh, it was just very clear that uh, until I jump ship and start my own thing, I'm just going to continue to be compartmentalized. And so ended up jumping ship, uh, starting my own startup, and ultimately turned out that uh, my own ceiling was myself. I didn't have a manager who's compartmentalizing me, but instead my own execution was my ceiling. And so just a matter of sort of building my own product, figuring out how to, uh, I mean, no one's going to be building this company for me. And so just in the early days, man, uh, by myself, uh, it was definitely a super difficult grind. Fortunately, I was able to save uh, a lot of money to be able to go a couple of years without a paycheck. Um, and then also in the early days, another sort of thing that uh, I was super fortunate about was just getting into this program called Techstars. Um, it, it's a program, it's sort of like Y Combinator. Uh, they, they, you know, out of 10,000 startups worldwide, only 10 get into that program. And so we were one of the 10. 
and so on paper, we were actually one of the, I was actually one of the dumbest founders there. Like I was not Ivy League. I was surrounded by Harvard, MIT, Stanford, brilliant people, um, company or founders who had previously exited their first uh, company. But for me, uh, just a Georgia Tech founder, <laughs> first company, uh, knew how to code and knew how to build products, but knew nothing about marketing, finance, legal, hiring, things like that. And so, uh, man, going through that program was extremely helpful for me, um, especially building my first company and essentially having uh, Logan Hive, the founder of Belly, running that program and ultimately uh, having support, sort of his mentorship and and figuring out how to uh, how do you build a company, not just a, a, a software or a product that people use, but instead, how do you build a holistic company that's operating and growing? And so uh, he was awesome for helping me learn how to fundraise. Uh, and since then, man, just been off to the races. So, yeah, here we are. And uh, you you teed it up for me there. Obviously, every start every founder starts usually bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. You you aren't getting a paycheck. You don't know what you're doing. I think it's fair to say yeah. that, or in the early stage of any company, uh, to say that today is a day that we didn't really know what we were doing doesn't really yeah. define a specific day. Now you, and by the way, very familiar with Techstars. We've actually, for those interested, we have an episode titled Techstars. Uh, go check right. it out where, you know, we're in Kansas City. Renji's in Austin. Um, here in the Midwest, these are, you know, Kansas City, Denver, Austin, you know, a little pathway of innovation that has formed there. And Techstars has a, has a lot to do with that. And that particular episode, uh, uh, our local uh, managing director, Lisa Mitchell, sat down and talked with me all about it. And then also uh, another participant of the Startup Hustle podcast, Roy Scott at Healthy Hip Hop, has graduated from Techstars early this year. He went down to the Atlanta version and did the social impact founding. Now, at, at, at a program like Techstars or even the School of Hard Knocks, you learn pretty quickly what you're good at and what you're not. And that's what we're going to talk about today is, is, is starting the team. Now, before we do that, though, there's one thing that, that you left out that I want to ask you, what do you guys do at Immersed VR? Yeah. So uh, we, yeah, we're a tech stars company that's partnered with Facebook to build VR offices. And so uh, especially now during COVID, this is an extremely important problem to solve. Uh, Facebook had allocated another thousand employees over to the AR VR side of their company ever since COVID. And so uh, since then, uh, Facebook had actually uh, dug through the different productivity apps in the VR space. Uh, and it turns out that Immerse was the one that had the most user usage, people working in VR 40 plus hours every week. Yes, with a thing on their face um, and being able to uh, be surrounded by, by their multiple screens, wireless, portable, virtual screens. Uh, really just with your Mac and any Oculus headset, um, you immediately have five monitors spawned around you. So you can sit on your couch or your porch or be at the airport or whatever. Uh, and as soon as you need to collaborate, uh, specifically like software engineers who need a pair program, uh, you immediately can have your coworker beam into the space and be sitting side by side with you with all of your screens around you. So you can code together, you can whiteboard together. It's quite literally the future of work. And so when, you know, two or three years from now, when Facebook glasses or Apple glasses come out, uh, going, we essentially want to become the definition of what it means to go to work by putting on a pair of glasses, uh, using immersed software and being surrounded by your virtual team. Well, th- they only had a thousand people to move over to that division. <laughs> they had more, but, uh, I mean, so, so a thousand more, 
right? So already have thousands of people working. A thousand on that. more. Right. A thousand more, man. And so uh, it's crazy how we're, we're sitting here. We're about to talk about building a startup team, and they're moving a thousand people from one yeah, side of the building to like another. So that's <laughs> that, that's uh, that's kind. Of, yeah, if you think about that, and you know, businesses can grow quickly. Now you mentioned uh, to me earlier that you have eleven employees, and you're growing quickly. You said yeah. you know adding three or four more. Now that's a thirty-five percent growth. <laughs> in the size of your company and you know early in the game it's all very exponential now that's why building the team is so clutch Mm because and just think this is just simple math people so you don't need to take off your shoe to do this next Mm -hmm. this uh next formula if one out of three people in your startup team is terrible that means 33 percent of your company sucks and that's why building the team is really important so uh, you know, we we're gonna shape. I'm gonna shape this conversation around your history at Immersed. So, mm-hmm. did the team start with just you and and someone else, or like where where did it begin? Um, so, ultimately, uh, in the early, I mean, so it was just me to begin with. Um, we had actually worked on a previous uh, startup idea around. So, so by the way, uh, part of my story that I forgot to mention was I was actually pursuing a. A PhD from Georgia Tech while working full time as a software engineer. Uh, my PhD was focused on computer vision, machine learning, because I just felt like the web world that I worked in professionally, uh, it just wasn't crazy challenging and it wasn't groundbreaking necessarily. It was just like, you know, greatbigstory.com, just sort of like a time waster app, et cetera. Uh, but with my master's, I wanted to focus on uh, building autonomous vehicles, autonomous drones, autonomous cars, et cetera. Um, and so uh, back when I actually decided build my own startup, I want to build uh, a product that would bring autonomous vehicles to the everyday person. So not necessarily like self-driving cars like Tesla or uh, self-landing rockets like SpaceX, but more so autonomous drones that, for example, high school football coaches could uh, deploy a drone, have it automatically film their practices, automatically film their games, automatically automatically detect um, statistics tracking for their their players. And so, but the hard part was I realized I, I was great at solving that problem for those teams but it turns out that high school football teams cannot afford robust AI solutions. And so that, that sort of showed you, I didn't really know what I was doing on the business side of things. And so ended up just shutting that down and then starting Immerse because I realized that every software development team that I've ever been on or led, um, we really struggled to actually be effectively or, or were able to effectively collaborate together. So people were just disconnected, disengaged, even doing video conferencing, things like this. When you have a team of seven, you have people who are just checking out, who are multitasking, not even paying attention to the meeting. And so we wanted a more immersive way to uh, have people collaborate together as if they were in person without physically being in the same space. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was, I was, oh, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Well, the struggle's real because, you know, I, I have 185 at the time of this recording, I have 185 employees in the Philippines and mm-hmm. we, and full scale provides services to nearly four dozen tech companies that work for them full time. And that is when it comes to remote work now, now COVID threw us like it, if we were on the diving board on the high dive, looking over, deciding whether to jump, COVID was that kid that came and just shoved us in and went, ha ha, <laughs> you know, Dang. cause it really did like, and, and you talk about, and I would imagine that created a surge in demand and need for you to either speed innovation, build your team faster and do a lot of stuff. But you talk about building a team that is actually a great place to start because you now you have to, okay, it was easy to say, okay, we want to hire everyone in Austin, Kansas city, wherever we're at. Um, that, that, that's not how it's going right now. And so uh, that the remote development thing and what you were describing when it came to the VR team, I love that. 
because mm-hmm. there's there is okay coming from a guy that owns a remote development company i will tell mm-hmm. you that there is still some advantage to being next to someone yeah and there's you know and there's something to be said about that and sometimes it's just about feeling like you have someone sitting next to you working yeah. and that yeah. pushes you to keep going rather than lay down and take a nap. But, you know, so with building the team, I think that you first start with the intent of, you know, how and Mm what and what and why you want to add people to the team. Um, Mm -hmm. In my experience, the smartest and most successful people immediately are able to recognize what they're good at, what -hmm. they're passionate about, what yeah. they're not good at, what they're not passionate about. And then they take those two things and that's where they either find their, their co-founders or mm. they find their first employees. Is that, is, yeah. did, was that the case with yeah. you? Well, so that's an interesting topic because man, I've been searching for a co-founder for the past three and a half years since I started Immerse. And what's so crazy is uh, even going through Techstars, uh, Logan had mentioned, look, we generally don't uh, invest in companies that don't have at least two co-founders. Uh, the fact that you're solo, that's a huge risk for us, but you know, I'm betting on you. And so uh, I, I think I remember Sam Altman, uh, one of the old uh, CEO of Y Combinator say, it's better to have no co-founder than the wrong one. And so a lot of True. startups, I mean, as you know, they just break up because they have co-founder disputes and stuff and, and just issues, not just don't have good conflict resolution. And so uh, for me, I mean, in the early days of Immerse, I was doing a ton of co-founder dating, et cetera. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I was actually a ment- uh, mentor at a couple of different coding boot camps to help try to bootstrap a little bit. Like I'd pick up an hour here, uh, 70 bucks an hour, just to be able to uh, offset the costs that I had for the startup. And so I found out, man, this is an amazing engineering hack or more of a startup hack where um, it turns out a lot of these coding boot camp students, uh, they can't get their first job because they don't have a CS degree, even though they're actually better coders than a lot of the people who graduate from CS programs. Uh, and so I was like, all right, well, they need experience. I need free labor. Let's do an internship. And so I just had a bunch of my students help me code this stuff up. And uh, number one, that's an amazing startup startup hack hack I would uh, highly recommend to anyone. But uh, it turns out that a lot of my students, unfortunately, didn't really uh, have, I guess, the boldness or the uh, courage to want to just jump ship and be a co-founder of a startup. And so uh, that being said, also, as I ended up being able to fundraise uh, and be able to pay some of my students to work full-time for the startup, I had also realized that uh, hiring a bunch of people all at once for no reason, or not no reason, but almost even just for the startup hype to say, oh, I have these many people on my team, et cetera, just for the uh, accolades or whatever, ended up being very harmful in the early days. That was definitely another mistake I had made, uh, hiring people who ultimately just wasn't productive for the startup. And so I then had shifted my mentality to uh, my approach on hiring, try not to hire, (laughs) right? Only hire when your hair is on fire in a specific area area uh, of the company. And so I got to a point where, uh, man, like, like one thing that was really cool was when we had uh, started fundraising the end of last year, um, the fact that we had built this robust uh, emerging technology uh, product that was patenting a bunch of stuff, uh, VCs would ask us, how is this funded and how much funding did you guys raise to date? I was like, oh, we built this off of about 600K. And they're like, wait, you spent only 600K in the past two and a half years at that point, building this crazy emerging tech company. And they loved the fact that we were really uh, capital efficient. Uh, I was one of our coders. And so that was also helpful as well. Uh, me being able to find people who uh, were not just coders in general, but uh, some of the strongest co- strongest uh, coders in the world. And so uh, the people who I'd have joined my team, like my criteria was number one, are they impressive? And number two, are they better than me at what I need them to do? If they're not as good as I am at that actual specific job, 
I would just not hire them. And so it would just be better for me to do it myself. Does that sort of make sense? That's sort of the approach we took. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Some of the best, some of the best advice I got early as an entrepreneur was to hire people that were smarter than me. Yeah. Now, when I was young, I probably thought I was the smartest guy in the world on some days. So that was difficult for me. And there, I'm just being honest. And there's yeah. a, there's a, a, when it comes to building the team, first off, I think you have a really good point with being, have your work orders, your office space, whatever you're at, bursting at the seams yeah. before you take the plunge to too many people because it's a roller coaster ride early. And you don't know, like, funding could, if, you know, yeah. you're not funded until the money's in the bank. So I've yeah. seen a lot of people make, they, they spend the money before they've got it, something falls through and now they yeah. have a problem. And, yeah. uh, and in your case, so uh, this is very startup specific when it comes to building a team and I run into this. So right now, uh, if we talk about emerging technology, AI, machine learning, VR, blockchain, mm -hmm. stuff like that, well, these things weren't prevalent. They did. Yeah. Some of them didn't even exist 10 years ago or no one knew about them. Yeah. And then five years ago, no mm -hmm. one was doing them. Now, our own education system is painfully slow at catching up to producing the things mm -hmm. that are truly emerging right now. So you had a couple mm -hmm. yeah. points here. One. And so we look for this at full scale because you mentioned uh, they won't some place won't hire someone because they don't have a computer science degree. But that might be a better developer mm -hmm than the person that does. Yeah. Sometimes you have to grow yeah. and build your own talent. And if you, cause mm -hmm. if you have to go and that's a smart approach for a startup. Now yeah. it can also slow you down, but if you can't find the experts now, if you're right now, if you need data science, machine learning, AI, VR people that have a ton of experience, mm -hmm. oh man, you better, you better come with your wallet and your <laughs> checkbook and maybe a loan application. Yeah. And you, and, and I'm right about mm -hmm. that because it just aren't that many yeah. of them. So the supply and you, yeah. you mentioned computer vision. So computer vision mm -hmm. has been out for 20 years, but people yeah. haven't really been using it for the last 10 computer vision is, is an open source platform that, uh, so your computer screen, when you're watching Renji and I right now, uh, it looks at that mm -hmm. as two dimensional. So computer vision will take some context use it, fancy things like neural networks and whatever to simulate the same thing that your eye might. So it gets depth and does a lot mm -hmm. of stuff. You can't find people that have been doing, I know one person that's been doing it yeah. for 10 years and that's Joel Tepley. <laughs> He's been on the show and he'll tell you, he said, you know, I asked him, I said, if you didn't do what you do, where would you probably work? He said, the NSA, you know, so <laughs> you're competing with some, 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 some places that have big checkbooks. So sometimes yeah. growing the talent is a good idea. Now, did that, did that uh, blow up on you at any point? Was there any so, time when you, because sometimes you plant seeds and they don't grow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say that the way that we were able to attract top, uh, top talent was not uh, by money. I mean, a day like we're a broke startup, we don't have money. So we're specifically looking for people who want to be part of the startup. So for example, like- and you're doing interesting post, stuff too, yeah. Yeah, so, so that does help the fact that we're doing interesting stuff, the fact that we went through Techstars, the fact that we're partnered with Facebook, all that type of stuff. Um, but to get to that point, uh, we had only posted jobs on AngelList because through Indeed or LinkedIn or whatever, uh, people would, uh, random people would apply to the job looking for high salaries. And I'm like, look, we don't have that type of money, number one. And number two, you could probably get a higher salary like elsewhere. I'm looking for people who are hungry and want to build something from the, start, uh, the ground up. If you're not a good startup fit, you probably shouldn't be at the startup. If you're here for the cash up front, you probably shouldn't be at the startup. If you want equity and want to grow that over time, 
I know that your day-to-day decisions are going to be uh, directly impactful and good for the startup term. So we're, I was mainly filtering for, I mean, yeah, maybe there's a hundred super strong computer vision people out there in the world, but maybe two or four out of the hundred really want to be in a groundbreaking startup. And so that, that was the way that I was able to pitch people. Yeah. Now I, I just, re- I, I do take notes occasionally and I just wrote vested interest. Um, mm. I think er, in an early stage, so when Renji says uh, you could have some options or shares, like these, these are people that have a vested interest yeah. in the success of the business. Now, yeah. if it were up to me, I'd put the entire world on sales commission. We probably wouldn't have productivity problems. And the reason is, is when yeah. people, okay, at the, one of the hardest things for early stage companies when they are building a startup team is I hear founders say, well, my employees don't care as much as I do. Why would they? Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's yep. just, it's just basic logic. Like you're paying people yeah. to show up and do a job. They show mm-hmm. up and do it. If you get anybody that cares outside of those, outside of that boundary, that's a great thing. Yeah. And you want to retain yeah. those people. And that's, and that's something you can't train, but mm-hmm. when someone has a vested interest and that's, and you know, look, people are smart. It's a world full of, full of communication. So at mm-hmm. Microsoft, they gave options to their people early and they had janitors yeah. like driving Lambos and stuff. And that was <laughs> pretty much, they, do you remember that? Like some of the, they, yeah, they're like yeah, showing yeah. a guy, the, the doors are up sideways and he's like <laughs> holding the mop. He's like, yeah, oh, I funny. took the options. And there's another guy just like pushing them up going, yeah, I took the paycheck. Uh, so yeah. now, now yeah. that, that that's a risky proposition for the employee too. So if yeah. you're building your team, you got to respect that. These people are yeah. like, you know, you can't just be like, Hey, you own the company too. You got you, yeah. you it, but I do, I do love vested, a, yeah. a vested interest in the success. So, so but you know, when it comes, where, where did you begin to find people? Cause that's, yeah. that's one of the questions I run into. You say like, you couldn't find a co-founder. I'm, I mm-hmm. see every day on face. I'm looking for a co-founder. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Yeah. You are better off to not have a co-founder than to have a shitty one, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I was agree. correct. But where did you go? How did you go about beginning yeah. to find and procure your team? Yeah. So well, I think one thing, as I mentioned, like on paper, I was the dumbest founder at Techstars, but I think that uh, one way I was distinctly different from the rest of the other founding teams was the fact that I knew how to find people who wanted to like really build this vision off of, you know, being paid sandwiches, right? Like, it, it, whereas other companies there would be paying their engineers 150K, 200K, whatever. And the person would clock in nine to five, right? Out of five. Uh, whereas for us, and, and so I remember every Wednesday night we had a CEO dinner and other CEOs would ask, dude, how do you have like four people working for you getting paid like a thousand bucks a month or 2000 bucks a month? And so here's the thing, like the way that I did my sourcing was uh, primarily looking for people on AngelList or, or uh, who've been part of other startups or who are about to start their own startup and almost intercept them before they actually take the leap so they could join my startup instead. Uh, ultimately, people who uh, have been uh, formally successful and are essentially financially well off, like most of the people on my team had previously been, been getting paid 200 to 300K at their previous jobs. So they're not like hurting for money. That being said, if they're looking for purpose or if they're looking for building something great, then I need to be pitching them on, them on hey, like it, this would be awesome if you had uh, several percentage points, or at least in the early days, several percentage points of the company. Uh, and so as we grow, I mean, that would be way more than you'd ever collect in the paycheck. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, it just became very, very clear. If you pitch a vision and be generous with your equity, you're going to have people who are essentially going to be a larger founding team. So yeah, maybe not, you might not have a co-founder uh, who this is like their baby as well. And like, they're going to be up in the middle of the night uh, building things. But like, to be real, I feel like the 11 people on our team right now, it's almost like an 11 person founding team. 
And so uh, in regards to uh, the way that we find people, there are times where, at least in the early days, I was just highly selective on, if you're not a startup fit, we just, it's not worth having the conversation. Um, so I've, I've kind of loosened up a little bit in uh, looking at people who've kind of dabbled a little bit in startups and then me making the pitch, right? So even just in the initial, uh, in, uh, initial call that I'm having with them, uh, the first five minutes is, hey, do you have any burning questions about Immerse? Uh, but then the next 10 minutes of the 30 minute interview, uh, the next 10 minutes, so one third of it is focused on me just pitching them on who we are as a startup, why we're going to be successful, and, and sort of what are we trying to uh, build here longer term, right? Even if you just sort of pitch the idea that, hey, two or three years from now, people are going to be going to work by putting on a pair of glasses powered by Immerse. That's pretty mind blowing if we pull that off. And the fact that we have an extremely strong team, uh, all of us feel extremely confident this is going to happen. And so even if you have 1% of, say, a $2 billion exit, Having twenty million bucks in the bank—that's not—that's not chump change to anyone. So, uh, not not that the money is the main motivation, but really just building something that can impact the general population. Everyone uses their laptop to go to work, and so if you use a laptop to go to work, you can use immersed. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't mention that if you need to build a team of developers, full scale can help you with that. Check us out at fullscale.io. <laughs> now, in that process, you know, I've hired hundreds of developers over the last couple mm. of years. And I've learned that the very best people, it's not about the paycheck, it's about the mm -hmm. challenge. Yep. And then they and then and then if you couple that with doing something that they're interested or passionate in, then they sign up. And yep. um, and and now here's the thing: we we pay them the most and give and challenge them, so we get the best yeah. people. And that's yeah. your key. Now, a year ago, I was at TechCrunch and. Uh, we went out there to just, you know, we you go check out the episodes we did about that. We also uh, stopped and visited some uh, some of our past guests that were out in the valley. And I asked them on the show, I said, Are, is, what's it like competing for talent out here? And they actually said it's not as bad as you might think. And I said, tell me yeah. why. I said, because people don't want to work for Facebook. They don't want, yeah. they don't find it. They said, look, they do really cool stuff. It's a great company, blah, blah, blah. But they don't feel passionate about helping someone post a picture of what they had for dinner. And, and it really made sense, you know, because some yeah. of the companies that we talked to this, was, they were in particular out of the clean tech accelerator that had uh, occurred at, at Launch KC uh, that same year. And uh, they were doing environmental things and a lot, you know, things with solar drone technology, a lot of different stuff. And mm -hmm. they, you know, the developers and the people that they, they not only do they feel good about making this uh, environmental impact. They also, they were interested in it. And, you know, yeah. so, so the thing is, is if you, if you're building a startup team and you're doing something, you can mm -hmm. look for people that are passionate about the solution yep. that you create. And, and, and look, if you can't find, if you can't challenge people and keep them engaged, they are not going to stay. It's yeah. just that simple. Like no one yeah. wants to go to work and be bored as shit all day, yeah. every day. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, now, you might think on some levels, your startup might be boring. That doesn't mean that working at it is boring. And when I yeah. see, so I, my business partner, Matt Watson, uh, he loves boring businesses and boring okay. businesses quietly work in the background and drive everything that we do. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, there's, there's a lot of, you know, what's boring to one person might be highly engaged to another one. So, yep. okay. So, you know, with, with building the team, we've, we've talked about possibly growing talent, looking for people mm -hmm. that are passionate. Um, you know, what are you not looking for? 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not looking for someone who is trying to collect a massive paycheck. Cause again, like if they, if a person is just a hired hand, as soon as money runs out or as soon as uh, uh, you're in a position where here, here's an example. So November of last year, we ran out of money. And that was partly because like I did, that was my fault of just timing the fundraise wrong and all of that. But what's so crazy was as I was telling my team, Hey, I'm in the process of fundraising. Uh, I mean, obviously like you're welcome to go look for jobs, whatever, this is my fault for screwing up. And that's just me being real about the fact that, Hey, I don't, I'm, I don't always, always make perfect uh, decisions. Uh, but a hundred percent of the people on the team were like, honestly, we're going without paychecks. We're here until you fundraise. And it actually took us uh, six more months to get our funding in place. And so people went six months without a paycheck. It's, it's difficult to get 10 people to do the same, uh, 10 people on your team to, to stay there. And so uh, all that being said, like ultimately finding the types of people who number one are not there for the paycheck. They're there for the equity. They want to build this company and they realize, hey, there might be seasons where we run out of money and that's okay because number one, I already prepared for this by for my previous job, saving well, making wise decisions in my personal financial world. Uh, but then on top of that, like really being in, in this for the long haul, if you're just uh, just hiring a bunch of hired hands, as soon as the money's gone, so are they. And so uh, that being said, uh, that's why I like to call us a much, much larger founding team as opposed to just employees at the company. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm looking for people for me. I, I, yes, that, okay, that does, <laughs> that is important. Now on some yeah. levels though, so your business and mine are a little different because I don't mind mm. the people that will say, I, well, you're going to pay me better. Cause they're people, cause we hire almost all senior people. So yeah. I'm, I'm out there advertising, Hey, I want to pay for your experience. Yep. So I'm okay with that. And then also mm -hmm. the thing is, is the way that we, our employees are under contract. So I know mm -hmm. that they're going to be there for an X amount of time. Now in that case, yeah. that's okay. Cause, uh, but at the same time, I won't hire, you could have all the talent in the world. You could have all the experience mm -hmm. in the world, but if you're not passionate, about it, then uh, that that's for me, the, the one yeah. intangible, obviously you want the skills, you want the skills, mm -hmm. the experience or the desire, but passion is what drives you through the times that suck. So you mentioned yep. 10 people sticking mm -hmm. with you, which by the way, if you haven't cried about your star own startup, <laughs> you, you might've shed a tear at some point about course, that because yeah. you were so proud of what you've built and the people that did yeah. it. And it's, it, and it's, it's humbling. I mean, yeah. I, if, like I said, if you haven't cried about your startup, you haven't been doing it. Oh, long yeah. Dude, I'd love to even. And I'm going to leave that up. I just, just mean in general. Yeah. You, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say that, like, <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I mean, just thinking about the content I come from, like, uh, man, my parents came to this country with no money in their pockets. Like, uh, for me, number one, when I first uh, started my company, I was not going to friends and family asking for money because I didn't want to lose any of my immigrant extended family's money. And so for me, like, I need to build this thing from the ground up and be real when Immerse was on its last limbs and I thought that things were going to shut down. Yeah, bro. There were so many times I was just weeping. I was just like, man, I failed my parents. I failed my family. I failed my team and their families. Uh, but it was so crazy that when COVID had hit, uh, I realized, wait, remote work is not going to take another five or 10 years to start taking off. It's taking off now. Remote work increased by 20x. And so that's when Facebook reached out. That's when things like really. And, and so all that to say, it was so clear that this company was not going to be successful because of Renji's own grit. This company will be successful because God in his sovereignty will figure out a way to make this thing work if it's his will for this thing to work. If not, hey, I mean, I wasn't supposed to build this startup and maybe it wasn't the right timing. But at the end of the day, it's just a matter of me just being confident that, look, 
I'm not all knowing, like I'm just sort of building a company and I'm being faithful in the little ways that I can. But longer term, if this thing is supposed to be successful, it will be, and that'll be something greater than me. It won't be because of, uh, of my own will, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you know, some of that for me, I just, I, you know, as, as a founder, you have to at certain times shoulder all of it. Yeah. And then you have to know when to get it off of your shoulders and, and, and pass that success through you. Cause yeah. you know, 200 people at full scale worldwide, I'm just one member of the team. I just have a different <laughs> yeah. job. And the yeah. thing is, is if, if our developers don't show up and make magic happen for our clients, we fail. Mm. And yeah. there's nothing I can't, I, I can't. And so I, that, that's that level of dependency. And that's when you've built something bigger than you. And that, yeah. that's the main thing. And pe people say, well, when's my startup? When, when are we successful? Well, first mm -hmm. off, you're successful when you feel successful, right? Yeah. So that, that's all. The, it's not up to someone else to, to name that or judge it. But when the yeah. business has become bigger than just you, then you've mm -hmm. built something that might last. Because yeah. you, know, you mentioned if, if the role you talk about playing, if you're gone, does the, is the business gone? And that, mm. that's why the, that's why the tech stars or the investors in the beginning, they don't like solo founder solo teams yeah. because the, at, when you, you know, when you're building a team and you're one of four people, now you yeah. talk about not being like the, the sovereign, you know, uh, heart beating heart of the company, but a founder yeah. is at, at mm -hmm. three and five. And even, I mean, exactly. I appreciate your humble approach to it right now. The company would be in trouble if you were gone. Mm. And because yeah. the business, because you have 11 employees, you know, and that you mm -hmm. lose keep, they, they even have insurance policies on this. They yeah. have key man insurance and yeah. literally like an, they won't insure your company unless they insure you. Cause if you're gone, then everyone's screwed. So yeah. now, you, you know, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, but, but, but when it gets bigger, you I mean, you're talking yeah. about Facebook moving a thousand people across the building to come help with something else. If one of yeah. them are gone, Hey, if Zuckerberg's gone, Facebook's still going to go on. Yeah, And that's, yeah. that's when it's bigger than, than the person and, mm -hmm. or the founder. Now back to the not list, there's a couple things that, that I've learned. Um, so, all right. People that, that have terrible communication skills. Yeah. <laughs> not good, not good early. I mean, early yeah. uh, now. Okay. So you have different, there's a, <laughs> to compare people to things. Uh, and I go back and listen to the CEO whisperer episode. Mm -hmm. It was with Cameron Harold. Cameron's the C was the COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK and is kind of a guru for a lot of stuff. And he says, you have, you have three types of employees. You have racehorses, you have workhorses mm. and you have horses that need to go to the glue factory. So <laughs> you can look at, you can look at, say, is this a racehorse? Now look, a, a, a team needs both. Cause if you have a bunch of racehorses that only want to do sprints, no mm. one's going to pull the plow on the day or, or the wagon or a lot of that stuff. Now, yeah. if you have glue factory horses, they're not going to do anything. All right. <laughs> so when I, when I look at employees, especially in early stage, I think two things, I think, well, first off racehorse or workhorse, like, cause if you, if you can't easily and quickly say someone is one or the other, and you, mm. once again, you need both, then you don't have the right person. And then mm. you look at, I look at developers, especially it, you are a Swiss army knife or you're a sword. So yeah. a sword is a specialist. Now, when you're mm. out in battle, you want a sword. 
you know, because yeah. you need to swing mightily and crush, you know, now when you're back in camp and you just have a sword opening that can of beans is a lot more difficult. <laughs> so early, early, early stage startup teams do better with the Swiss army knife employee. That's someone that can do a lot of different things. You got to yeah. wear a lot of different hats. And when you have a four person company, it's not like you ever see the commercial. It's like, hello, this is uh, this is full scale. Yeah. Can I speak to accounting? Hang on. Hello, this is accounting. You know, you're, you're the same. Yeah. You have to do a whole lot of stuff. So yeah. I think when you're building a startup team early, it, it is clutch yeah. to have have some Swiss Army knives. Yeah. Now, when when you're when you get bigger, you can afford specialists. Yeah. You can get that person that okay. That's so down the road, and that's when you can come out of pocket and say, "I got to pay. I got to yeah. get." I need, I don't just need a sword. I need a laser sword. Yeah. And that's when you can afford that, but you can't, you, you can't do that early, yeah. you know, and, and you're so much better to have people that, that can do a lot of things. And then another thing that I, I really look for, especially in early stages, I want people that have high levels of critical thinking mm -hmm. and critical thinking is the ability to say, okay, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to, and I, and then they speak up about it. So yeah. this is a problem. And then determine, is this a big problem? Is this maybe a problem? Is this a fire? Is this something we can come back to later? And if we have to come back to it later, is it going to break 10 other things? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that critical thinking early is tough to do because, you know, the, everyone's crystal ball is broken. Yeah. But if you can find people that have the ability to project that kind of critical nature, like, yep. hey, we might have to put a Band-Aid on it now, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so much like with what you're doing, which is highly complex, if you accumulate a shitload of technical debt, mm -hmm. you at some point have to stop the game. Yep. And go back and fix all that yeah. because you have a ball of rubber bands yeah. and putting more rubber bands on it does not unwind it. So, yeah. I mean, those are some of the main things that I look for when, yeah. when it's early stage. Yeah. Another now, thing, now I, I like to also like add that uh, the, <clears throat> the, the type of people on our team uh, are people who, I mean, you said this yourself, you feel like your job is to find people who are just smarter than you. So what I've done is uh, over the past three and a half years, I found people who are just better than me at the different aspects that I've had to essentially work myself out of a job in uh, historically. And so uh, each individual person on my team, another thing is like, we have a very almost like democratic approach to the large uh, scale decisions that we have to make. Um, and I know I, I realize that's not gonna scale to 500 employees, but really in the first 10 employees, if you've really like truly surrounded yourself with some of the most brilliant people on the planet, you're gonna wanna pull for their opinions and their their uh, perspectives on things. Because ultimately, if you're just gonna be uh, a dictator who's <clears throat> arbitrating whatever, whatever direction you want, uh, you have flaws, you have blind spots, like you're gonna fail. Uh, but if you surround yourself with people well, who- And people aren't gonna uh, follow you yeah. for too long. Exactly, yeah, that, exactly, they, yeah. you, you, you wear people out. I mean, if you're gonna hire people to be experts, let them be experts, right? Exactly. We actually say yeah. that a lot. We say that a lot. And yeah. you know, as founders, it's easy to- kind of to get away from that i think on some yeah. days um and you know and and then it just requires a little trust and part of and sometimes all right so i i with some of our employees well here here locally uh like we had a new sales guy and mm -hmm. um we there are certain kind of clients that we want and certain ones that we didn't he mm -hmm. went he had a couple ready to sign up and i said these really aren't our kind of clients but i had to let him learn that the hard way 
because otherwise he'd keep bringing them back. And I'm just going to be a guy that's crushing sales commissions and telling him these aren't the right people. And he, you know, salespeople should, but they're, they're holding a check in their hand, you know? So, but, but you, sometimes you have to, you have to, as a leader, accept that a, you're not going to be right because you're not most of the time yeah. anyway, and then let people try their stuff and let them learn. Cause the thing is, is well, a, if they're right, great. That's awesome. Yeah. But if they're not, then you have still bought into your trust for them. Um, yep. You know, there's one other thing. We, we hinted about this earlier. Uh, there's, there's some intangible things you can't train. And these are things we look for when we're hiring employees. Well, first off, yeah. attitude and likability. Um, yep. You know, when we say, do you know someone that's so likable that if they told you your baby was ugly, you'd be like, oh, thank you so much for the feedback. <laughs> you know, now, yeah. look, having people like that's a good person to have on your team, though. Because yeah. likable people with a good attitude, it, it's it's contagious. It feels mm -hmm. good. And then the caring part. So mm -hmm. you can't train someone to care. You can't force someone to care. You can't teach someone to care. You care. Mm -hmm. That's a very binary thing. Like kind of like you, you can't be, uh, you, you're pregnant or you're not, you know, yeah. like you can't, you, you're likable or you're not, you care or you don't. There's no middle ground yeah. to that. It's very yes or no. If you can mm -hmm. find people that care, um, that's when you're really on to something with a lot of employees. Cause that's an intangible. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that, those are the people that wake up at one in the morning. Cause they're concerned, they care. And they yeah. just, you know, like you come into the work and you're like, dude, did you sleep here? Almost. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I was just so bothered by the fact that this wasn't right. I yeah. wasn't going to sleep. So I came to fix it. And he just like, for me, I just want to like cry all over that person. But thank you yeah. so much for giving the shit. And <laughs> yeah, you know, I that matters, that. but it, it, do you, yeah. have you run in, I mean, do you, yeah. have you, do you have some people on your team that you feel that way about? And I mean, yeah. do you agree or disagree with, with that point? Well, I agree hundred percent. So the way that we're hiring is number one, uh, are they a good culture fit and do they have the right values? Number two values, meaning like, will they fit with the types of people on the team? So things like likability, do, do we just enjoy working around them? Do we like being around them? Number two is aptitude to learn new things. And then number three is their skill set. So what I mean by that is even yep. if someone has all the skills that you need, but you just don't like working with them, you're not going to collaborate. You're not going to be effective. It's going to yep. be very difficult to work together. But if it's a person who uh, is likable and is able to learn new things very quickly, then they will learn the thing that they need to learn and, and ex execute on, on your, in your startup over time. So that being said, for us, we've had situations where we ha we've had highly skilled uh, engineers who uh, honestly, is, they're just jerks to people on the team. And ultimately, we had to part ways with them because it was bad for company culture and ultimately making everyone else less productive than they would have been if they had someone who was more likable True. in that position. And a downside to having that, uh, I guess, making the sacrifice up front of, uh, or, or almost, um, what's the word? Just like not uh, abiding by your culture fit uh, priorities first. If you kind of like leave that by the wayside because you found someone who's just a beast, awesome skills, whatever. Well, number one, realize that that's going to make everyone else less productive. But also you could have hired someone a week later, two weeks later, that could have been awesome, like a beast at their skills and likable. And so you wasted all this time, three months, six months, whatever, to figure out, oh, can I turn this person to someone who can become likable? Uh, honestly, it's just probably just better just to uh, completely just X them out from the very beginning if they're not someone who you could work alongside with. So I have a rule, a, a, a rule of threes when it comes to hiring, uh, mm -hmm. any employee has to, well, for, we, so we have uh, skills assessments. Mm -hmm. So we have about 30 of them. We actually call them certifications and we've created mm -hmm. these, these are coding tests or other things. So someone has to pass three certifications. They have to be interviewed by three different people on three different days. Oh, and nice. so, because the thing, well, the thing is, is the opinion 
So if you, you, especially if you have an early stage team, don't ever hire someone on day one. All right. Yeah. Cause you got to meet with someone three times. Cause some of the things you mentioned, like you, I, I, I've proved this time and time again, uh, you know, I'm mm -hmm. 45 years old. I've been doing this for a while in the world mm -hmm. of startups. I'm like old man time. And I'm, I uh -huh, feel like uh -huh. I'm just getting started, but um, uh, you know, so with the meeting of threes, like in a small team, you want to let someone that you're considering bringing in like, okay, for example, I don't have much to do with our hiring process in Cebu city in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. I don't have to work with those people directly. Yeah. And so we want, you know, so as our clients build teams, they'll often look at the profiles that this person would be a good fit. What should I do? We mm -hmm. should have them go talk to your team now and see mm -hmm. how the team feels about them. Yeah. And because life's too, life's too short to work with shitty people. Yeah. And it really is. It just really is. Like, I would rather just be average and work with people that I thought were awesome than yeah. be miserable every day to have a couple extra bucks. Because yeah. in the end, if you don't have peace of mind, without peace of mind, nothing else has any flavor. Yeah. And, you know, so do, do you do you currently if you are thinking about bringing a new team member in, do you do you do something? Do you immerse? Yeah. Pun, pun intended, do you immerse them in, <laughs> yeah. into the rest of the team? Yeah, so we, ha we intentionally have a very annoying hiring process, meaning if the person makes it through to the end, then like they should 100% They wanted it. I mean, exactly, yeah. Yep. So, uh, same here, I mean, same I, with ours, same with ours. Yeah, so, so and, and I'll, we'll see how it scales, but at least right now, especially for the early startup that hires who are going to inform the long-term leadership and culture of the company, uh, kind of what we do is we, number one, I'm pretty passive on when, uh, I guess if people watch this who want to get hired at Immersed, uh, realize I'm probably not going to be very responsive to you because I want to see how much you're going to like try to bang down my door. I'm intentionally passive. And so uh, people will reach out to us. And like, if, if, if I don't respond to them, if they don't send a second email or follow up, I, I, I know that they don't really care that much for the job. Um, but I send them three questions, uh, asking questions like, why do you have, you have that impact this job description, et cetera. Um, and if I like those answers, if they're long and lengthy and like very detailed and very passionate, uh, we, we do a 30 minute call in that 30 minute call. Yeah. First five minutes, what burning questions do you have? If you don't have any burning questions, you're probably not engaged or curious about immerse. Uh, the next 10 minutes, I just pitch them like crazy, really reel them in so that when it comes to salary requirements, like whatever they want, uh, compensation wise on the cash side, uh, they will be essentially like kind of put that on the wayside for the sake of equity. Cause they'll really understand, wow, this thing could really grow the last 15 minute fire questions. We cut them off, see how they respond. Are they going to be abrasive back to us if we cut them off, things like that. Um, and then after that, we do a very, honestly, a very, uh, lengthy skills challenge. So it might be even like 15 to 20 hours worth of uh, work for that coding project. And we expect that to be done within a week. So, uh, for free. And so if someone wants to go through that, and then after that's done, if they did a great job, like quality and speed wise, then we do a one month contract to hire, meaning in that one month, the team will assess thumbs up or thumbs down. Are they a person who, uh, just, you know, BS their way through the process? Maybe they copy the coding challenge from somewhere else, whatever. Um, or are they a person who really is the person that we, uh, discerned along the way would be a good fit. And after that one month, I mean, we have very few situations where a person gets to that one month, uh, contract period without actually turning into W2, like maybe one in 10 people, uh, like again, first off, maybe about 60 people come through the top of funnel as far as getting a phone call with us. And out of the 60, one will get that contract. And then one in 10, we've, uh, ha have, have not continued onto W2. But so all that being said, it's a very crappy process, but if you must work at immersed, uh, you're going to get through that process and you're going to be a great team member. You're going to be like a founding team member. If that makes sense. So, yeah. You talk about building a culture that people want to work at. We had 700 job applications 
in the first two weeks of this month. Uh, <laughs> 700. So I yeah. know that uh, we're proud of that. We're proud of it. Now with that, we use the skills. We are very similar to your process, mm-hmm. except for we put our skills challenge up front because we're, okay. we're high. We're in the business yeah. of, of, of senior and high talent people. If you, if you can't get that done. Yeah. And then another thing too, is that eliminates 80% of candidates which yeah. means that we don't have to go through the interview process and do a lot of stuff. So, but that yeah. said, the technical side of things doesn't tell the whole story of a person. Mm-hmm. We have a, another yeah. matrix that we look at and I don't mind sharing some of those. It's, mm-hmm. uh, do, you have, uh, do you have relevant experience? What's yeah. your industry experience? I mentioned likability, communication, mm-hmm. uh, passion, uh, versatility. Uh, mm-hmm. critical thinking, problem solving. Uh, and then another one we have, we just say marketability. Because, yeah. you know, it, it, one of the things in the software developers of the world won't disagree with me is they trend to be on a type B personality style. And they're mm-hmm. not always effective communicators verbally. And, yeah. and in a remote environment, like yeah. as you're well aware, <laughs> that's a key ingredient. Otherwise, yeah. you get stuck just typing, typing, typing. Now, yeah. 10 years ago, I, by the way, I just had a couple, I just had two employees have their 10-year anniversary with my companies. Wow. Uh, wow. And the, that was really exciting. Here's the thing, that, that was three companies later, though, not just full scale. Wow. So pretty excited. But 10 years ago, it was difficult to have a call halfway around the world Mm -hmm. on any medium because bandwidth didn't support it now. And now that's a key ingredient. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so you talk about that marketability in in our case, that could also be like, how's this person done any done stuff that stands out? Are they a Swiss army knife? Are they a sword Uh, for us? Also like a versatile employee, it's better because they can go work for a breadth of different clients. I don't have to just have one mm-hmm. person. Like if I had just a VR, it, well, we do have some people that have done some VR stuff, but I need a mm-hmm. VR client to do that. Yeah. And if I have someone that only wants to do that and I don't have that client, they can sit on the bench for a while. And then, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of like, oh man. Yeah. Okay. So, well, this has been fun, man. I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, you know, the, I will tell you that every startup has a different story. Every mm-hmm. team is, is built a different way. We've had this conversation with a lot of people and it, it is it, look, hire people that are good at what you're not mm-hmm. hire people that, that want to do the things that you don't want to do. Uh, one of the things, if you're building a team and we didn't touch on this and I, I, Renji, I think we probably should is cause it's mm-hmm. such a, a popular subject is you, we've been talking about equity and options and stuff like that. You don't have to back yeah. the truck up to their, to their front lawn and give someone 40% yeah, of your yeah. business. You, you, and this is a, a kind of an inhuman comparison, but you have to figure what the, so you mentioned in your, in your uh, assessment and hiring process, creating, okay, establishing the value of what their mm-hmm. work is worth compared to the options in the company. And I see yep. a lot of teams do this earlier. Like, I don't have the money, so I'm trying to find a co-founder. And then they give someone 40% to work part-time, you know, yeah, and they could have hired cool. a freelancer or someone like that. And, yeah. and you know, the repl- and, and so, I, you know, I'll say, I'll say to people, I'll say, well, what do you think your company's worth in a year? And they're like, I don't know, 2 million bucks. I'm like, okay, well, you yeah. just gave away $800,000 <laughs> for a part-time employee that yeah. you don't even know if they're going to be any good. And that, and that's, yeah. you used the phrase earlier, founder disputes. That's where yeah. those originate. 
because yep. someone isn't passionate. So if you are going to build your team through equity type things, you got to make mm -hmm. sure people are passionate. And then you need to, you ha need to have vesting agreements. You need to yep. establish like, Hey, you don't get 40% on day one. You have to do yeah. this, 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 and this. I see so, I see so many people, all they do is they create scenarios that are either rainy day or sunny day. You got to look yeah. at both of them. You got a yep. good contract has, has, it, it, it has ways out. It has ways in, it has, mm -hmm. you know, like it's fair to both people mm -hmm. and it clearly establishes what you consider to be acceptable and what you don't, you know, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. And, that, and that's hard to, by the way, all of which are really hard to do in a business you just started <laughs> yeah, amongst yeah. all the other things that you're trying to do. All right. So yeah, sure. we under up once again, thanks for, thanks for joining me today and congratulations yeah. for making it onto our list of top Austin Thank startups. So uh, okay. By the way, there, that was a, that was, there was a tough, that we expanded the list a little bit because there's mm -hmm. a, there's a shitload of great startups in Austin. So <laughs> that's why I moved here. Um, you, you, you mentioned, you said being the dumbest person on tech stars. Hey dude, that's like being the worst person on the all-star team. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's not, it's not, that's yeah. not a, and I'm not sure that that's a, a bad thing. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, no. you know, I went to five, I went to five colleges and now I'm a junior. I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, For it's sure. not always about that. Now yeah. we end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the founder freestyle. Mm -hmm. And today's topic uh, is building a startup team. So in a freestyle manner, what's the best uh, advice or statement you can make in conclusion when it comes to building a team? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I constantly like to say, when you're trying to hire, try not to. I mean, it's, it's so hard in the early days to, uh, I, I, it's almost too easy to hire people. Meaning people want to hire their friends, they want to hire their family, they want to hire a person that someone recommended. But at the end of the day, you don't really know what it's going to be like uh, six months, a year, etc. Uh, so number one, I feel like the most impactful thing for me, especially in the early days of a startup, again, it's very context specific to the early days of a startup. Uh, if you don't absolutely need to hire, hold off and see how things go. Like see if you can kind of figure it out or if someone else can, uh, or someone else on your team could already figure it out or not. But, but I guess I would say, the thing after that is, man, do not sacrifice on culture. Uh, that is the hardest thing. When I say culture, I'm talking about specifically, not, not personal interests. Uh, for us, our values are, um, well, it's, it's the acronym SWEEP. So uh, S, focusing on being swift. W, focusing on being wise. E, on being focused on uh, efficient. The next one is going to be engaging. And the last one is someone who's very precise. So if someone that we're interviewing does not meet even just one of those criteria, we, we don't hire them, let alone how BC that might be in a specific field, let alone their accolades. Maybe they were the head of growth at Uber. It doesn't matter. This is a different company. This is a new space. You don't know if they're going to be successful. So if they, if they are, if they, even those things, I would be hypercritical. And I would almost, um, I, I would almost like, so there's the story, uh, one of my friends here in Austin, he was one of the early employees at Stripe. Um, and he, I think he was employee number nine or something. And he had mentioned that in the early days at Stripe, uh, he was like, you know, sleeping on Patrick Collison's floor, you know, books stacked to the ceiling, whatever. It's just the, the way that they did hiring was uh, the founders were in every interview for the first 500 employees. And there were so many times where Alex felt like, uh, wow, that was a great candidate. I'm so excited to give them an offer. But then Patrick or John were like, hey, actually, we're going to say no. 
And Alex would be like, wait, why? This person was amazing. Like they had like 98% of everything we wanted. They're like, yeah, but it wasn't a hundred. And so like they did that for the first 500 employees, even 2% off. Um, but in hindsight, Alex was like, now that he sees that, you know, at least I talked to him about this maybe a year and a half ago, they were growing to about 1800 employees. I'm sure they're somewhere around two or 3000 employees now. He had mentioned for the first 500 employees, they were all very specific in the way that uh, they did their hiring process. And uh, each candidate and each employee on the team uh, was, was like some of the most highest operating people in the world. And, and, and you see the results. Stripe is crushing PayPal in regards to this API world. And so Stripe is worth north of $40, 50000000000 billion now. Uh, do not sacrifice on, on culture or startup fit values, if that makes sense. I think that's that's wise. And you said so much that you just made my job easier. Now, before I do my freestyle, I want to remind everyone that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We can help you build a startup team. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to talk to you about it. Not everyone's a great fit. We're pretty specific, much like you mentioned about employees. We want to work with the right kind of clients, too, because we're really committed to mm. our client's success is ours. And we take that really seriously too. Now, in regards to building a startup team, I think my closing statements here, because you, once again, I love Sweep. I think that's great. I, I once again, wrote that down. So thanks. Um, <laughs> I only got like 350 episodes into this before I actually started taking notes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm learning, I'm adapting, I'm yeah. getting better. I think when it comes to building a team in an early stage, there's two things I want to say. Do you want a partner or do you want an employee? And there's a couple caveats here. So we mentioned, uh, Renji says earlier, you're better to, not ha to have no co-founder than a shitty co-founder. In my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I pointed this out as well. I said, look, you, you have to consider when you have a business partner, you are married to that person in many ways. You are yeah. business married to that person. And it is easier to get rid of your real life spouse than it is yeah. to get rid of your <laughs> business partner. You yeah. can, you can, you can do it faster, like, and, mm -hmm. and easier in many cases. And yeah. so, so with that, you, you need to consider that. So if you're going to take on now, okay, people that are earning half a point here, they're okay. That's, that's different. Those are, those are, that's incentivizing, that's motivating yeah. stuff like that. Now, if you have a true partner, uh, you, if you hire, if you hire employees slowly, which I'll get to in a second, uh, you should be even slower about who you want to do business with. Yeah. Make sure you trust them. Make sure that you feel like you're going to work with them. Make sure that they bring value to the table. And really in a startup, make sure that they're not what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, which is the person that's like, oh, I'm not ready to jump and build wings yet. Yeah. That you need people that are going to be all in because if you're all in and someone else isn't, you will resent that in a hurry. Yeah. It is yeah. real easy to resent it. Now, when it comes to employees, much like Renji said, be super precise. You are so much better to not have anybody at all than you are to have someone that's not good. I want you to avoid your friends and your family and people yeah. like that. Okay. Don't yeah. just let that be the default. And now maybe they are the right people, but statistics show that your friends and family will end up being your worst employees. Yep. It, it just, it does. And the reason is, is you know them on a different, in a different kind of way, you have a different relationship running into it. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talk about, Hey, we ran out of money, you know, or whatever, like yeah. maybe your friends and family stick with it, but maybe not. If you want to keep yeah. your friends and your family, your friends and your happy family, then you're, then I, I recommend not hiring them. Now I say yeah. that as someone that 
my wife worked at one of our businesses with me every day for six years. We were great. Wow. We were great. Yeah. But nine out of 10 people I talked to were like, dude, how do you work with your wife? We, yeah. we would have <laughs> fucking killed each other. I would have, <laughs> I would, I really, I, she would have killed me by now, you know? And like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. So be careful with it. There's a lot of cliche phrases out there that are like, uh, uh, higher, slow, fire fast. That's the last mm -hmm. thing we didn't get into. Okay. If you realize that you have a turd in the punch bowl, yeah. you need to get rid of it because yeah. the punch isn't going to taste good if, <laughs> if there's a turd in it. And I know that's yeah. a weird, a weird way to put it, but you can, you just pictured that. Yeah. And if you can't get that out of the punch bowl, you got to flush it, you know, yeah. like just the same thing. And, and one thing I've learned about employees is the great ones are great right away. Mm -hmm. They are, they are, they are not the people that show up and you're like, and you're just like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that person never ever is the person later that people are like, Oh my God, that's the greatest employee we have. They don't. Yeah. They're not. I'm sorry. They, they will maybe be on an okay side of average, but those aren't, those aren't your racehorses. Yeah. They're maybe could be trained to be a workhorse, but if you realize you've made a bad hire, mm -hmm. look, this is the hard part. This is a hard yeah. part about entrepreneurship and startups. Yeah. If you want your business to be successful, you sometimes have to make tough decisions. And yeah. if you, if you, re I have yet to prove this wrong. If it's going through your head, man, I, I might need to fire this person. At this point, you're just putting it off because yeah. your head's telling you. Now I think, yeah. and then the last thing is, is so I, I meant, I like to make fun of my, my young old age in the tech world, but trust your gut. Like that's the yeah. heart, been the hardest thing for me. And I'm 45 years old now. And now I live by it. Like yeah. I live by it because you have, they say, trust your gut, meaning like that yeah. internal voice. That's like, no, no. Yeah. And you, 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 when you look back and you're like, God, I knew I shouldn't have done that. That was, <laughs> that was it. And, and there was a, you, the, the world or who, whatever it is, whether you believe in yeah. God, karma, something else, like, look, it does send you some weird energy and messages and it kind of lets you know what's about to happen. Yeah. So the more you fight that, now the gut mm -hmm. is in my, and when I look back, now the gut goes the good way too, though, because sometimes you're mm -hmm. like, God, I got this, I just, I feel it in my gut. This is going to yeah. be big. This is going to mm -hmm. be big. And I can look back at my own story and I can still remember five, 10, 15 years ago, having that gut feeling about something that did get big. So, yeah. you know, you listen to it on both sides of it, but the same thing goes with an employee or someone, if you're sitting there and you're going, man, I think this person might wear me out. How are you going to yeah. feel in a year? You know? <laughs> so anyway, it, for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Come check us out on Facebook and join the startup hustle chat. We're definitely going to talk about this episode, which did live stream. So for those of you that, that stopped by and watch, thanks. Uh, scroll on down to the show notes, uh, go to immersedvr.com, check them out. Uh, we did give a shout out to Techstars. If you have an emerging startup, you want to get involved with Techstars. They do awesome stuff yeah. in cities all over the country. Highly recommended. If you get into, get into Techstars, it's 
very well known. It's a badge of honor. It's a Girl Scout, yeah. Boy Scout badge. And yeah. it draws talent and it, it really sends up a signal flare. Uh, some people are into that stuff. Some people aren't, but go check it out. There are, there is stuff like that out there. And if you're trying to build a team, it's not going to build itself. Get out there and look, call a company like full scale, get out on Facebook. Just, you gotta, you gotta get out there and look for it, which is exactly what I'm going to get busy doing. So thanks for joining me, man. I'll catch up with you soon. Awesome. It's good to meet you. And thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Thanks. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.